Those are great pictures. Well done with the video. Thank you, production team. That's awesome. Man, it's great to be able to be here. If you are a uh, graduate this year, would you just stand for a second for me, please? Let's give them a hand for that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a huge, huge accomplishment. You can sit back down. Huge accomplishment. So we're excited and the plans for them and their new season of life. Also, hey, this is our, our youth worship team. Don't they do a good job? Man. And it's a good thing because I am terrible. And so I need help. So it's awesome to have them. So I'm so grateful for that. Uh, I'm excited to be able to speak to you today. Uh, how many of you have ever thrown a rock in a pond? Okay, I mean, come on. You're from Minnesota. So it's a land of good. Hands are going up. Good. Land of 10,000 lakes, right? Maybe another 1,000 mucky ponds. Anyway, uh, but I remember uh, growing up as a kid in a farm in Iowa. Uh, behind our farm was a creek, and at the end of the creek was this pondish kind of thing that I used to go and throw rocks into all the time. And I used to watch how it affected the frogs that were all hanging around the edges, you know, with their eyes just above the water. And I, the big, I, I always wanted to see if I could make a move, so I'd throw bigger rocks. And the bigger the rock, the bigger the ripple. And the ripples always went out, and it was kind of fun. And, and yeah, I was bored as a kid. Um, so anyway, um, but I want to talk to you today about the ripple effect of the gospel. Um, we want, I want us to be able to... Uh, uh, talk about that today. It's not only is today graduation Sunday, but it is also Pentecost Sunday, okay? And Pentecost is that uh, passage in the Bible that we study and we talk about of the coming of the Holy Spirit. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, a third of the Trinity is represented. Coming of the Holy Spirit upon people. And I want to talk, I know the Holy Spirit kind of gets a bad rap. He's kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of the Trinity, right? You know, I mean, I, I know, and students, you're going to have to ask your parents who that is. Um, I know. Um, but we understand what God is like more so, and maybe what Jesus is like, but we really have a hard time sometimes understanding the Spirit. It's not meant to be that way. So I want to talk to us today about the Holy Spirit, what his desire to do in our life is, and how do we work with him to see what God wants to accomplish in our lives. And so I want to do that. Pentecost, literally, penna means 50. And so if you go back to the Old, Old Testament, you'll discover that Pentecost was one of the Jewish feasts. Now, they didn't call it Pentecost. They called it um, uh, the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. It was a celebration of the beginning of the early harvest. Now, in Palestine, there was two harvests. There was the late harvest, and then there was early harvest. Early harvest happened in about May or June. And so what you would do is it, you would... Uh, Here's how you would figure out when Pentecost was. You would go back to the festival of first fruits and you would count 50 days and that would be Pentecost, okay? And it was celebrated by the Jews. They would come from all over and celebrate this festival. And so it was a big deal. But this year in Acts 2, it would be quite different because the Holy Spirit was gonna come upon them. And so, but before we do that, I'd like us to pray before we dive into God's word. So would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege it is to be here today. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. They could be a lot of other places, but they're here. And I really believe, Holy Spirit, you want to speak into our lives. You don't want to give us just information, but you want to cause transformation. 
So that's what we're asking God today. In Jesus, your son's name, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with me, uh, uh, with you, or if you even uh, have an app, you can go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading the verses 1 through 13 together. So just follow along with me as I read. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews of every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they had too much wine. Well, I want to talk to you about a major turning point in the history of God's kingdom. This is where the beginning of the church comes, happens. This is really the birth of the church. If we could sing happy birthday today, we'd do that just to think about the birth of the church. Church is God's people. The churchy word is ecclesia. It means called out ones of God. And God's means for reaching the world is going to be his people and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power is going to be what's going to what's going to cause us to be able to reach and do the will of God like he wants us to do. So in this passage, I see four things. I see that the Holy Spirit arrives, he testifies, he unifies, and he multiplies. And by the way, the Holy Spirit's a person. You know, oftentimes we refer to the Holy Spirit as it, but the Holy Spirit's a person. It's a third of our Trinity. And so uh, let's just begin and just start with there. He, the Holy Spirit arrives, verses one through three, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. In chapter one, the disciples are told to wait for the Holy Spirit. And here in chapter two, the Holy Spirit, that gift of God comes. A couple months ago, my neighbor, uh, Nick, had a surprise 40th for his wife, Amy. And so he invited us all over to his house when she was out gone. He had gotten rid of her somehow, I don't know how. Um, not gotten rid of, that's bad terming. <laughs> he had asked her to be somewhere else or something. Um, and we all got in the garage and we closed the, closed the garage door and we waited. And we waited. And sure enough, we could hear her pulling in the, the driveway with her car. And once she got out of her car, we heard the door shut. We hit the garage door open and it came up and we yelled, surprise! And then, and then the party began. It was awesome. Imagine being in this room, waiting for the gift of God and the party's about to happen. Again, uh, when uh, 
this party begins, the Holy Spirit comes on them. Now, it's a little different, okay? Think about this. I put down here, okay, so this is so awesome, crazy. It says the wind is violent wind and it filled the house. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever it's violent wind outside, when I go inside, it's not blowing in my house, okay? I don't open the, I don't open the closet door and get a breath. But can, I don't even know what that even looks like, but that's so crazy awesome. But it makes sense though, right? Because the word for spirit in, uh, here is pneumos, which means breath. And God is breathing into them his Holy Spirit. He's breathing into them his Holy Spirit. Goes on to say that, it seemed, that what they saw was what looked like tongues of fire coming, and then they all separated and they came down to rest on each of them. Again, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of crazy. Um, but fire in the Old Testament represented the presence of God. So why tongues of fire? You know, why not ears of fire? Okay, you know, I mean, we all should listen better, right? I mean, eyeballs of fire, that just hurts thinking about it, okay? All right, but tongues of fire because our tongues are set on fire for the Lord. He wants us to speak, to tell about him. And so that's what happens here. God caused this supernatural occurrence on this day to be unforgettable because it was going to be a game changer for the church. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he arrives. This, this brings us to the second point. The Holy Spirit testifies. Verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God's spirit came on them and they began to testify the good news of gospel. And isn't that how it is? When God's spirit comes in you, we got to tell somebody. I remember when I first put my faith in Jesus, I was invited to go to this stupid church meeting and I was like, dude, I'm not going to your stupid church meeting. And, there's like, and they're like, yo, you need to come. And I'm like, finally I went. I'm like, uh, I got there and it wasn't about that. It was about a God who loved me. A God who had a plan and a purpose for my life. It was about a God who wanted to have a relationship with me, but my sin had separated me from him. And that sin, it couldn't be removed by good deeds, but paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. And everyone who puts their trust and faith in him has eternal life. And that eternal life begins right away. Not when you die, it begins right away. And man, I just said, this is exactly what I want. I want forgiveness. I want a second chance. I want a fresh start. And I believed and I received. And I remember after, when I got home that night, I remember telling my mom, I told my sister Katie, I told my brother Greg, I called my dad, told him. The next day I talked to my brother Norm, I talked to my brother Russ, and I've been trying to tell as many people who will listen ever since. Because the spirit in you, when you get that, why, that's why David said, restore me to the joy of your salvation. Maybe he was coasting. By the way, coasting, whenever you coast going on uphill, you go back. It's backwards. The spirit in, inside us wants to testify, wants to share the good news of Jesus. The prophet Jeremiah put it this way in, in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word in my heart is like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. How's the Holy Spirit testifying in you? 
What relational ponds is God calling you to speak into? Graduates, most of you are going and you're going to find new relational ponds because you're beginning this new season in your life. And God's going to give you new relational ponds to speak into. God desires for you to testify him. We read also that the Holy Spirit consumed them. And as a result, they began to speak in tongues. Now the word here for tongues is languages. This wasn't unintelligent unintelligent garble. These were languages that they were speaking because they had this international crowd that had gathered. And that leads us to our next point. Not only does the Holy Spirit arrive, not only does the Holy Spirit testify, but the Holy Spirit unifies. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, they came, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our own, in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Everyone had gathered. There was this international gathering to, to celebrate this feast of harvest. And all kinds of people were in Jerusalem who spoke all kinds of different languages. So what does God do? I'm going to send everybody's, my word in their language. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that God does that to us and for us? When it says God fearing, it just means that these people had reverence for what was sacred. And that's the reason they were there. Because they were coming to honor God in this celebration of this, of this uh, harvest. If you have ever been to a foreign country, then you appreciate what's being said here. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Katy, Texas for 22 and a half years. And while I was there, we took uh, 10, 10 years in a row, Mexico missions trips. And it was awesome. Um, but we, and we would, we would work on speaking Spanish language before we got there. We'd work on phrases so we could communicate. We'd work on words so we knew where the baño was. And so we would work on all those kind of things. And it, when we were able to speak their language to them, their eyes just got big. But you know what even was better? When they had learned some English and spoke back to us, man, you just felt like these people really care. These people really love us and really care. And that's because hearing someone communicate in your language when it's not their language is huge, right? That's huge. What if we were to take time and listen to those around us who are not like us? To be unified. John 17, we're going through the book of John in our sermon series here on Sunday mornings took a break this week because it's Pentecost and graduation Sunday. Um, but we're going through the book of John. In John 17, Jesus prays for you and I. He's for all those who will believe, that's us. He prays for believers. He's, you know what his prayer is? That they may be one. 
unified. Why? And he tells us why. So that all may believe. Isn't that awesome? What if we were to take time to listen to those around us who are not like us, to communicate love to them in a way that speaks their language? It might just be what our community and our world needs, right? What if we rewrote this section in Acts like this? Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking from Grace Church Roseville? How then is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Mungs, Hispanics, those speaking African language, residents of Roseville, Shoreview, Lionel Lakes, Arden Hills, Falcon Heights and Little Canada, Minneapolis and St. Paul and its suburbs, visitors from Wisconsin, both Vikings and Packers, <laughs> Maplewood, North Oaks, Columbia Heights, Vadness Heights, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our language. Shouldn't that be how it is? As we disperse, shouldn't that be how it is? Wouldn't that be awesome? Graduates, whatever you do as you move into this season, this next season of your life, God wants you to love people, especially those who maybe aren't like you. He wants us to bring a, diver, a diverse group of people together because that's what the kingdom of God is. We know that, right? Every tribe, every tongue, everyone. He wants to bring us together. You may just be the catalyst he wants to use in your new pond. And for all of us, we still have ponds that God wants us to reach out to. The Holy Spirit arrives, he testifies, he unifies, and ultimately the fourth thing is he multiplies. Now we're not gonna spend the rest of the time this morning reading chapter, the rest of chapter two. So I'll summarize it for you, all right? Peter stands up in the power of the Spirit and goes, they aren't drunk. It's only 9 a.m., although I don't think that matters anymore. <laughs> um, uh, he says, uh, this, is the, you know, this is the Holy Spirit. Um, he's preaching the, and he preaches the good news of the, of the gospel of Jesus. And the rest of the book of Acts records that. And what was the result? The ripple effect of that message was that people placed their faith in Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. And so here, I'll just give you a few examples here. Chapter two, verse 41, and 3,000 were added to their number that day. Chapter two, verse 47, and the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Chapter four, verse four, number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Chapter five, verse 14, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Chapter six, verse one, the number of disciples was increasing. Chapter six, verse seven, the number of disciples increased rapidly. And you can go on and on. 931, 1121, 1421, 16.5, 17.4, 17.12, 18.8, all the way to the end of Acts. And the last verse in Acts says this. What Paul said, he says, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. They multiplied. Well, so what? That's one of the things I always say at the end of anything I teach with the youth. I say, so what? You heard all this, so what? Okay, the Holy Spirit wants to live in us. He wants to testify to the good news of Jesus. He wants to unify us and to multiply the message of salvation in Jesus to those around us. I always ask, our, at GSM, we always ask three questions, right? What did you learn? What are you gonna do? Who are you gonna tell? What did you learn? What are you going to do? Who are you going to tell? You can bring that out. And so as you think about that, I want to end with an illustration because I'm a visual guy. 
And so I'm going to set this down. I'm going to set this over here. I don't like setting my Bible on the ground. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So I'm going to end with this illustration here. I want these two glasses of milk to represent your life and mine, our lives. This milk represents our lives. And I want this chocolate syrup to represent the Holy Spirit because this is the good stuff. Okay? In Ephesians 1, it says that when you and I believe and put our faith in Christ, God deposits his Holy Spirit into our lives. And he doesn't, he pours a lot in. Okay, God is, and he pours into our lives his Holy Spirit. Then Ephesians, now many of us, we stop right there. You know what? Got the Holy Spirit in my life. My eternity is secure. I'm going to heaven someday. But we stop there and we miss out on all that God has for us. Later in Ephesians 5, he tells us that do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, the word drunk and the word filled are the same word. It means to be intoxicated, to be consumed by, to be controlled by. So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but what does it, it take to get drunk? Okay, you don't take a sip. You take a bunch of sips, right? And you take a few more sips and a few larger sips and preach that bartender, give us another round, right? That's how you get drunk. That is exactly how it's supposed to be with the Spirit. God wants to stir up that Spirit in our lives. We read our Bible. We don't just come to church on Sundays. We read our Bible on our own. We pray. We help our neighbors out. We love those who are not like us. We tell others about Jesus. And as we're doing that, we're stirring them up, we're stirring them up, we're stirring them up. And you know what? This is the good stuff. And we drink them down. The same is true. We got to stir up the Holy Spirit. Reading God's word, all those kind of things, fellowshipping, witnessing, testifying. As we stir them up and we drink them down, we testify that God is good, right? Oh, and you know what? We speak other languages. Do you know what God's love language is? God's love language is obedience. He loves it when we obey. And so I ask us again, what did you learn? What are you going to do? Who are you going to tell, right? One day, Jesus is going to return. And our chance to testify and to multiply will be done. But until then, we throw rocks in ponds and we watch God's ripple effect reach others for the good news of Christ, right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege it is to know you and to make you known. Father, I want to pray today for any here who have never yet placed their faith in you that today they would believe they're a sinner, that you died for their sins.
but that you took the punishment through your son, Jesus, who died and rose again. And if they believe, they can have eternal life. Father, I pray today for some, they will receive that spirit in their life. And that spirit will testify. God, I pray for each of us who already know you. Sometimes, God, we start to coast. And we take our salvation for granted. Lord, restore us to the joy of your salvation. And may today, give us an opportunity today and this week to testify, to love others in their language so they can see Jesus. And Father, we do pray that you'll multiply and you will add to the number those who are being saved at Grace Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.